We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at pop culture from a Jewish perspective and look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And today we are talking about season two of the HBO series, The White Lotus, this time in Sicily. Uh, Jesse, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, The White Lotus and, and season two in particular? And well, just a fair warning, as we always do to everybody, we are talking spoilers here. We're going to talk everything about season two. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, watch before you listen. Five, four, three, two, one. Tanya died. <laughs> all, all right. So let, let's get into it. Uh, and if you haven't uh, heard our episode that we recorded last year about season one, go back uh, on our feed, the, the Jcast Network uh, pop to our feed. You can listen to that and our thoughts on season one and then come back and, and you can hear about season two. Uh, this show, season one, by the way, um, directed, written, uh, created by Mike White, uh, blew up at all the awards last year what well, took home a ton of awards uh and so i was really excited about season two season two takes place at a different white lotus um hotel uh spot this one in sicily as mike said and it follows guests on vacation at, at this resort uh you have a number of guests you have the grandfather father and child uh experience of albi and uh, Dominic and Bert going both uh, to connect with their uh, Italian family heritage uh, in that area, but also because uh, Dominic is a womanizer uh, and uh, his wife wants to leave him and he's trying to reconcile uh, with his own son and trying to get back together with his wife. Uh, and he realizes that maybe his father was not so different. Maybe his son isn't either. Uh, you have the two married couples of Daphne and Cameron and Ethan and Harper uh, and their strange relationship between the couples and their own strange relationship between husband and wife within each couple. You have uh, the uh, two prostitutes uh, that, that we have. Uh, you Their their names are... Um, uh, help I mean, me out common here. parlance nowadays is, is sex workers. Sex workers, I'm sorry. Uh, you have uh, Lucia... Um, and you also have, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on, on the name of, uh, uh, the, the other woman, which is part of the problem with the show, by the way, Mia, I believe, uh, that, uh, when I talk about this show, I don't always remember there are too many characters, everybody's names. And I'm like, uh, that girl from Parks and Rec, that, that guy who was in the Divergent series. Um, uh, and you have, uh, really the returning character. Uh, from season one that connects it to season two is, of course, Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya, this time uh, with her assistant, Haley Lou Richardson's Portia. You also have Greg uh, at the very beginning of the series, uh, Tanya's 
uh, husband now who she meets at the at the end of season one. Um, and the show follows uh, how the uh, sex workers end up having relationships with many people, including a father and a son at different times, including their relationship with uh uh, Cameron and maybe Ethan, we're not sure. You have the uh relationships between uh, did Harper and Cameron have a relationship? Did Ethan and Daphne have a relationship? Uh, you have um, the, the group of gay men who end up uh, uh, taking Tanya and Portia off to uh, an- another island and uh, trying to kill her, and she ends up killing them, and then ends up falling off the boat and killing herself. Portia, meanwhile, just goes to the airport and ignores it all because she's worried about her own safety. Uh, and you also have the the locals. You have the hotel manager, Valentina, uh, who is exploring her own sexuality, realizing that she is a gay woman, but has never uh, ha- had uh, an intimate relationship with another woman. And so while well, she scoffs at the sex workers, Lu- Lu- Lucia and Mia, uh, she ends up ha- spending the night with Mia uh, and exploring her own sexuality. In that regard, did I miss anything, Mike? No, I think you pretty well got it. I mean, as you can see, it is a uh, bigger season of, of the White Lotus than we had last season. More more characters, more sprawling in terms of uh, locale, uh, more complex in terms of the network of relationships. Uh, but but I felt like, uh, despite it's, uh, you know, sometimes you go bigger and it's not necessarily better. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily say it was better, but I think it all worked. What do you think? Yeah, I think the last season, season one, focused more on the staff right Armand's what was was a main star right the the manager of the white lotus in hawaii uh he, he ends up again spoiler alert he ends up dying uh and right odin um we we focus less on the staff uh this season really it's valentina and to an extent uh the relationship with um uh Rocco isabella and, 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 and Rocco and Salvatore. Um, right. But but um it's mostly on the the um guests of the hotel. Um it's certainly still a story about privilege and class. We see that. I think it's also a story about uh con artists and hustling. We see that with the the, the way the sex workers uh hustled, um ultimately hustled Albi, uh and also with the way that the um the 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 group of gay men um Ended up uh, really highlighted by by Quentin, played by Tom Hollander, uh, the the English expat who's traveling uh, with his friends and nephew Jack, who ends up not being his nephew, uh, or if he is his nephew, then it's super weird um, that uh, they end up hustling uh, Jennifer Coolidge's Tanya and probably are in cahoots with Greg, although that was never confirmed. Um and the truth is, it was never confirmed that they were trying to kill her. Uh, it's just we were led to conclude that and believe that. And she was led to believe that. And that's why she killed them first. I think it's much more the season is not just about class. Uh, it's about sex, sex culture. It's about sex versus love versus lust. Um, it's about relationships. It's about trust. What about you, Mike? 
Yeah, I so I really liked it. I thought it I thought it worked, you know, really well. I was I was pretty hooked from the beginning. Uh, you know, I, I loved the first season. Uh, I thought it was great. And, uh, and you know, I, I, it's hard to compare, you know, say which one was better. Uh, they were both really excellent. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it's, you know, when, when you have two A pluses, uh, which one is necessarily better? I don't know. Uh, um, I, you know, I loved uh, and I hope that if they do a third season, which Mike White has teased, uh, that they that they continue. I like the idea of like kind of it's like it's already been con- uh confirmed that they're uh, signed confirmed. on for a season three at HBO max, which is probably going to change its name to discovery max or something like that. But so, uh, I, you know, I liked the connective tissue to the first season of, of, you know, Tanya being a, a central focus. Um, and, uh, and I hope that that kind of idea continues that maybe we follow, I don't know, uh, Mia and Lucia, uh, next time uh, and and like they're you know uh, they're the connective tissue or or I would gladly take more Aubrey Plaza I think that she was great in this season um, so I, I I loved it and I think that it did you're right explore it was you know interesting because the the show of course you know Mike White is a, I think a really uh, uh, perceptive uh, observer of the way in which uh, wealth and privilege uh, uh, functions uh and uh and uh and um and manifest in in those kinds of settings um and so it, you know has a sharp kind of critical eye to that and 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 a, and a voice so that was present in this series but i i think also in a way kind of uh inverted and you know the it it showed um how you know all of these are the last season did two in a way right like all of the, all of these are are uh of course dynamics of class and, and sometimes race but also uh, of power ultimately uh and uh and this season i think more than anything else explored the ways uh that 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 people uh play on trust and deception in order to uh, achieve power over one another i i think that that's spot on um I was asked actually by a friend um, what I thought it said about um, gender dynamics, uh, the role of men uh, having power over women in sexual relationships, the role of women having power over men in sexual relationships. I also understand, by the way, right away that that assumption is a heteronormative one. We're talking about sexual relationships. Um, do you think that it, that there were any suggestions about that in play in the in the series? It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe that's my my privilege uh, coming through. Um, you know, I think that there was uh, moral complexity in male characters and in female characters. Um, I think that there were ways in which uh, the female characters, you know, clearly used their sexuality as a, a way of of uh, you know uh, gaining the upper hand in in various dynamics, um, and the other way around too. I think. Um, uh, so I, I'm not so sure that it was a sort of negative commentary on women's sexuality, uh, in and of itself. I think it was more of a complex exploration of the relationship between sex and power. I did think it introduced that men suck, right? Like, like who are the main, <laughs> and I'm serious, like who are the main male characters? You have, uh, Dominic, who is a womanizer, who like reached out to these sex workers over Instagram before the boat arrived in Sicily to make arrangements with them. You have um, Cameron, 
who hires these same sex workers when his wife and Ethan's wife are out of town, uh, who's putting his hand on the thigh under the table of Harper, right? While his wife is at the table, while Ethan is at the table, um, you have Ethan, who this thing happens, who doesn't do anything. We're led to assume he did not do anything, right? The camera doesn't show us that he did anything, uh, but feels uncomfortable, doesn't want to tell Harper uh, about that. Um, I, I don't know if it's meant to put men in a bad light or it's more meant to to say that there's a lack of trust in relationships by default. Yeah, you know, I, and, and, I, and it goes a two way street, right? I know I'm, I'm acknowledging Cameron, right? But but Daphne also says when she and Harper are away at that uh, villa or wherever they are, but she talks about how so she goes to her trainer, quote unquote, and then shows a picture of her children, uh, which uh, don't look like Cameron and look like that blonde trainer. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't quite um, I didn't I didn't quite. Uh, pick up on that thread it seemed I actually th thought that the ambiguity there was is she off having an affair um, or, or affairs um, or is she actually talking about her children right that like that what she gets out of the relationship um, is are the, kids. are the kids right like that's the blonde blue-eyed cute trainer that 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 she that she you know in, qu in quotes that she's talking about interesting um, you know I think that uh, um I have a few thoughts about what you just said. You know, the first is, is my wife was quick to point out to me that uh, for E to claim that he did nothing in that encounter with the sex workers um, is, uh, is, is not true. Uh, uh, you know, he could have um, bailed on the whole outing, right? He could have like, the second that it was starting to like go in that direction, he could have said, I'm going to go to my room uh, and, you know, have a good night, right? But he didn't do that. He kind of like went along with it. Um, and, uh, you know, so he put himself in that, um, complex situation. So his, his argument to Harper that he didn't do anything, mm, it rings a little bit hollow. And, and I think that the, you know, the other aspect of it is that, you know, that yes, there are men, you know, that what, what Mike White, I think was trying to show is that men think that they're in positions of power, uh, over, uh, these women, right. You know, in control of their lives. Uh, you know, in, in particular, in the dynamic between you know these guests and and the sex workers, um, but the that you know the, the women are um, also you know have agency in these dynamics um, and can you know uh, dish it as well as they take it. Um, I, so I, I I think that that was an important thing to show. I mean, I think that there's an empowerment in some strange way to that, um, and also not all of the men are. Uh, are, are exactly like that, right? So you have um, uh, the the youngest of the Albi, uh, right? Taken Who advantage is, of. Who's taken advantage of? You know, in part because he has um, he recognizes his uh, male white male privilege. Um, he recognizes uh, misogyny and and toxic masculinity. I'm going to support um, and, you if you want to be a sex worker. Be a sex worker, and I'm going to save you from that life. Right. Um, you know, so uh, so like I, I think in the in the uh, scheme of the show, we we kind of explore lots of different sides of this. And I don't think it was um, necessarily you know one one sided of you know look how look how women you know use their cunning wiles to um, uh, to, to to exploit men's weakness uh, and look how bad men are. Yeah, and right that that's not something new. If we look at the patriarchal society of. 
the biblical times and biblical era, uh, the, the, the women are certainly second, third class citizens w- w- within the Hebrew Bible. Uh, and yet we see time and time again, women using sex as a, a, a way to gain power, often because that is their only source of power, sometimes in really uncomfortable ways. Uh, you, you have um, read, read the story of uh, uh, who it? Lot and, and um, his daughters, mm-hmm. um, right? But it's them taking advantage of him to an extent. Uh, you have uh, Leah and, and, and Rachel and, and Jacob using, right? Don't tell me that Jacob woke up the next morning and he's surprised that, uh, th- that he married Leah because according to Torah, sex was marriage, right? There was no standing in a chuppah. It was, they were consummating the marriage and that meant they were married. So there's and no way he didn't know that it was Leah. It's just, he was into it in the moment, uh, in that experience of pleasure. You have Esther who, um, you know, when, when when the king extends out his golden scepter, uh, this is not the PG version of, of Tanakh. His golden scepter was not a golden scepter. Uh, and, what? And, <laughs> right. You you have uh, Yael, uh, who 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 uh, who uh, before putting the tent pin um, through the skull, right? When she invites somebody into her tent, uh, it's not for milk and cookies. Uh, so so we we have <laughs> throughout the Hebrew Bible. Um, women using sex as power because it is the only thing necessarily that they had. Uh, but um, in a consensual relationship, it is a two-way street. And uh, when you see um, everybody involved in that situation, Dominic or Albi uh, or 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 Cameron or Ethan, even Ethan to an extent, I, I think um, you're spot on that it's not that he didn't do anything wrong. He was there. Uh, he He took uh whatever was Molly or, or whatever uh he allowed Mia to give him a kiss and then finally he's like okay this is one step too far but didn't think anything else was one step too far right yeah I think that that's right I mean I think that you know what the 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 show does uh talk I mean in that circumstance and also uh with uh with with Dominic um about you know how uh, uh, making, you know, there, there is like a, I guess a chuva aspect to it, right? Like, like making, making a moral choice, um, not to do the thing that you could easily do and, uh, and, and are very tempted to do, uh, and, um, and could probably hide the fact that you did and not get caught, um, is, um, is, is not, uh, uh, morally inconsequential not spiritually inconsequential right and so i i do appreciate i did appreciate the fact that you know at the at, at the end of the series you know we we have some uh, uh hints that maybe dominic is going to be able to reconcile with his wife after all although we see in one of the last scenes that he still has a, a wandering eye for the ladies so uh we'll, we'll see about how that plays out maybe in season three who knows um but you're you're pointing out something I think that's present in the Torah that that in in the Torah we it uh, actually in the Tanakh in the whole Hebrew Bible we have uh, ways in which uh, sex manifests in in power dynamics um, and ways in which women use their sexuality um, uh, as a way of of attaining the upper hand in certain uh, relationships in in certain situations. Um, but the the very fact that you said right that uh, that it, from the biblical perspective. 
um, that uh, that sex was tantamount to uh, to marriage uh, 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 reminds that the the Torah is very patriarchal um, and uh, you know where marriage is in its way um, an act of acquisition and so there like sex being the act of acquisition means that sex is actually uh you know uh, uh in, within the seen almost entirely within the power of the uh male in the relationship so you have that tension in 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 the torah the other thing that you have in the torah i think um is um a a, a discomfort uh, on a level with um uh, sex being uh, uh for uh, matters other than um uh intimate pleasure between two couples an act of of um of uh, um being in intimacy with one another um and for procreation so uh that's one of the um maybe more contemporary but i think really compelling interpretations of the uh, uh classic and really challenging verse in Leviticus that that uh that had traditionally been been understood to uh ban uh homosexual uh, uh sexual intimacy um uh, that quite quite possibly it's not talking about homosexual relationships generally speaking there but it's talking about certain kinds of uh um uh, uh oppressive uh, sexual relationships that were common to have existed, um, especially between upper classes and lower classes in the ancient world and, and things like that. So the Torah is, I think, simultaneously recognizing the ways in which sex and power are interrelated and also uncomfortable with it at the same time, which begins to play out, you know, in, in subsequent iterations of Jewish tradition and Jewish history, that there, there's an attempt to try to decouple sex and power. Absolutely. Um, and I think that there was a misconception that right this show really talks about sex and pleasure. Um, uh, listen, I'll be honest, season one does that a lot as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it uh, I think there's a misconception that biblical and rabbinic texts focus on sex uh, solely for an act of procreation. And, and the Talmud is very clear uh, with regards to sex and pleasure, so much so that uh, in Masechet Ketubot talks about that one is required. Again, it's 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 talking about heteronormative relationships, but that uh, based on what a man's occupation is, that they're required to to sexually satisfy their spouse. Uh, you know, every so often based on their job and how often that they travel. In some cases, it's it's every day, right? If you do hard labor, it's twice a week. If you're a donkey driver, meaning you travel, it's once a week, uh, right? A, a camel driver, meaning you travel even more. Uh, it, it's it's uh, once a month. If you're a sailor, you're, you're away even more. It's once every six months. Um, it, it means that sexual pleasure is that woman's right, a wife's right, and it's a hu husband's obligation to 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 pleasure their their spouse. You know, I see that play out uh, when, when I think about. Um, I, just, I just want to point out in that that there's something uh, simultaneously enlightened about that and 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 uh, retrograde about that, right? That you know that that both men and women, uh, of course, have uh, sexual needs. So I think that there's a, that's that's really progressive for the Talmud to recognize. Uh, that that women had you know their own sexual drive and sexual needs and 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 so men had a responsibility to to satisfy uh, the needs of their wives, um, uh, but but it but it still maintains uh, the the power dynamic of 
you know, men have the agency in the in the circumstance and women don't. Women are the recipients. Of course, because it's a group of male rabbis writing a text that they expect that only men will read. Um, but I want to make sure uh, it's also clear, even in that power dynamic, um, that Masechet Eruvin says that a, that a, a husband cannot compel their wife to, to have sex, right? That 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 um, that that they cannot force a woman, uh, even if they're married, to, to have sexual relations uh, if she is unwilling or, or doesn't want to. But I think about the idea of sex and pleasure, uh, and the the way that the show started out, and Harper concerned that Ethan's not attracted to her. Uh, doesn't want to um, be intimate with her. Um, and, you know, it's only uh, after he is resorting to to watching pornography he, that she's like, would you rather watch that than be intimate with me? And then all of a sudden, at the end of the show, he's intimate with her. And it's unclear if when Daphne takes Ethan out to this island, uh, if they become intimate, is he only then intimate with Harper because uh, he got this thrill from being intimate with Daphne or is he being intimate with Harper because he loves her and wants to reconcile their relationship? But the Talmud is clear about the importance of, of sexual pleasure and intimacy, uh, which I think in, in the end is is the key point of of the show. You know, I think that the sh- that that what you're pointing to there also in the especially in the dynamic between uh, uh, Harper and E and Daphne and Cameron um, is the issue of trust in relationships, and that was also a major theme in in this uh, in in this season. And and I wonder um, if we could you know unpack the uh, unpack that a little bit from the from the Jewish lens because there's there's a piece of it that seems to imply you know a, a, a piece of advice my dad once gave me, which is. Uh, don't trust anybody <laughs> ever, right? Um, and uh, you know, so uh, throughout, you know, everybody's conning everybody in the course of the series. And there's there's a there's a piece of it that you know that that maybe the series is saying, you know, listen, you should you should engage the world and all of your relationships with a healthy dose of skepticism because everybody is trying to everybody's always trying to screw you, um, <laughs> maybe literally, maybe figuratively. Um, but, but I'm wondering, you know, what, what, what do you think is the, is the Jewish take on that? You know, how much, how much should we, you know, trust one another, give each other the benefit of the doubt, at least until that trust is violated? How much should we always be on our guard, uh, against people trying to deceive us? I mean, that's a, a theme that's very present in the Torah. We've just been reading the stories of Jacob, uh, in the weekly Torah portion, uh, and we'll, we'll be having more deception coming up, uh, in coming weeks of, of, of the Torah portions. So it certainly, uh, is present. Are we supposed to, uh, engage the world and our relationships, uh, assuming, uh, that we can't, fully trust any other person. I think it is a very sad way to live life, um, believing that there's nobody that you can trust. Um, And we see that truth play out with every relationship in the show, right? We see it with a parent and a child not being honest with each other. Uh, we see it with friends not being honest with each other. We see it with coworkers not being honest with each other. We we see it with um, spouses not being honest with each other, um, and um, it especially is troublesome to to me when we talk about spouses because I feel like if you cannot trust your spouse, um, and, and I think you know for whatever reason, what is it? What is it that Michael Scott says in the office? You expect to get screwed by your company. 
but you don't expect to get screwed by your girlfriend. <laughs> right. If you can't expect, if you can't trust your partner, um, then what is that relationship? Yeah. Um, and I also acknowledge that that part of jealousy is a part of love, right? Um, that, that when, when you love somebody and lust somebody, um, you, you're, you, you, uh, are, are sometimes jealous, um, of other special relationships that they have that you're not a part of, be it with, with friends or, or, or whomever else. Um, but I think if you can't trust somebody, um, that, then that relationship is sort of null and void. Um, Harper felt like she could not trust Ethan when, uh, she found a condom wrapper on the couch of their hotel room and he would not say anything. Um, and Ethan, uh, had no reason to 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 no evidence right of of Harper lying to him except for a latched door i guess that's evidence um and then she acknowledged that she lied um but he couldn't trust her anymore and she couldn't trust him and if you don't have trust you you don't have anything right i, th- I think that that's i think that that's true i think that that's why infidelity is um is is so uh, so so difficult to overcome in in relationships because um, especially those core intimate relationships of 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 spouse and uh, and 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 children and parents um, that uh, that when that trust is violated um, it's it's hard to recover from that I, I think that that's also something that maybe we can talk about uh, is you know when when trust is violated is there a way forward for people but I do want to say like. You know, the, 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 I, I don't know if the show is making an argument for the kind of relationship that Daphne and Cameron had, where they were sort of like open, or at least Cameron was open about his infidelity, or at least he didn't like try to hide it all that well. Um, and Daphne clearly knew what he was doing on the side and um, maybe cared about it. Uh, but um, but wasn't going to let it get in the way of, you know, what she said, like, don't let somebody take uh, something like don't let somebody take away uh, your your, you know, your your ability to be happy or your ability to 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 have your own power um, that she wasn't prepared to let she she knew enough not to trust him when it came to that issue. And so therefore, there was this kind of trust built on untrustworthiness um, already. Yeah, but I think that, you know, the Torah is, you know, maybe famously, maybe infamously, depending on who you ask, you know, really kind of obsessed with um, with rules. And by uh, the way, just to add another layer of trust into it, um, the whole setup of um, Tanya and her relationship with Quentin uh, and Quentin's friends, Mateo and, and uh, Hugo and Jack and, and all of them, uh is really based on her relationship with Greg and what is a part of their relationship? The prenup, right? right. The reason why he leaves, right? He He's in like half of a sh- an episode and he leaves because right. he has to go deal with work because he needs to work because of the prenup that they have. Right. And, and what is a prenup, of course, if, if not an expression of, uh, of, a, of a lack of full trust um, at the beginning of the relationship. But at the same time, Judaism has that too. Right. I mean, what what is a ketubah in a sense, if not a prenup? Um, uh, it, you know, it's specifically designed uh, to uh, to discourage husbands from uh, from from divorcing their wives without without consent. Um, and the the idea there is that 
men really can't be trusted to uh, uh, left on their own devices. Do they? They need a mechanism to enforce their commitments. Um, and I think that the, the Torah Jewish tradition, by and large, is is pretty obsessed with those kind of uh, social rules and social dynamics that are in they're in a way predicated on how untrustworthy we are with with each other. Like we need those rules to govern us. At the same time, the, those rules are in some ways founded on social trust. My my teacher Rabbi Elliot Dorf um, says, you know, if if people um, didn't obey the law for the most part because they believed that obeying the law was the right thing to do, um, or because they inevitably, you know, because they naturally would would follow those rules. Um, if people didn't do that, then, you know, if people only obeyed the law because they were afraid, uh, afraid of getting punished for breaking it, then you would need a police officer for every person and a yeah. police officer for every police officer um, and a police officer for that police officer too. So, so trust is actually really foundational to society, even a society that, that has very, um, uh, 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 rigid and complex rules like Judaism does. Want to ask another uh, or add another layer to to this question about trust and relationships? I think this show uh, it was very intentional that Mike White took season two uh, to Europe uh, and outside of America. Um, right, that that there is a generalization uh, of that people are more sexually free in Europe. Mm. Um, do you think that, that that had to do with it when the show was so, solely focused on sexual relationships and, and, and pleasure and power uh, that that could not be as believable uh, in Hawaii or Aspen or, or Sedona or something mm -hmm. like that and was very intentionally set in, in Europe? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think that there is something uh, um, that is perceived at least by Westerners to be romantic and seductive um, about uh, Europe, especially places like Italy and France. Um, and and I think that, you, you know, it, just as it was in the first season, the setting is a character in the show. Uh, for, sure. for sure, and you uh, see all the, the all those faces throughout right. the show, which is yeah. super freaky. Well, so I went, I went, I, I they uh, they made mention of what those were in the first at the episode. very beginning, which I totally ignored. Yeah, right? so I I went back because they kept on showing it in the last uh, one of the last scenes. Uh, e uh, and Harper break one of them in their uh, passion. Um, so it was a a, a, a head of a Moor uh, who, um, uh, the, uh, according to local legend, um, uh, stole a, 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 a another man's wife, um, and then uh, and then he got his head chopped off or something like that, right? So so built into this is this you know this kind of like a, a seductive. There's layers of romance, seduction, uh, um, deception um and uh and and race and class uh in in that uh all wrapped up into because of course in the history of of Europe is also uh valences of 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 race and class um that uh, that that are really rich for exploration and colonialism and right. and genocide yeah yeah you know so we have moments of that where you know the the uh the the uh, the the gay men who uh, uh, who may or may not have had a plot to uh, to kill Tanya, um, you know one of the reasons that they uh, uh, say that they need money 
um, is to keep up these, you know, palaces uh, or these these mansions um, that they don't want to open to the public, right? Um, that they don't want the, the 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 average person to be able to get to and see. They want this sort of you know exclusive privilege uh, to themselves. And there's something very European uh, about that. Absolutely, um, Mike. Looking ahead to 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 season three, uh, what do you think uh, the takeaways are uh, of this show? this season uh, the and what is the tour that we should take with us uh looking ahead to future episodes um yeah really great question uh so i i would say there strike me as a few things um you know the first is that um that we live in a society of um of of inequity uh and inequality uh, that manifests in different ways along lines of, of, of race and class, especially. Uh, and we should be looking very carefully um, at how those dynamics play out in our own world, in our own lives. And I think that the Torah, uh, in its demand to pursue a just society, would uh, encourage the same. And Jewish tradition, broadly speaking, beyond that would, would encourage the same. Torah, of course, uh, maintain structures of inequality, uh, but uh, I think the thrust of the Jewish tradition is uh, is to is to move beyond that. Um, so I think that that's a, a really important uh, takeaway. Um, and and the other is um, the the uh, the importance of uh, preserving, uh, uh, nurturing, strengthening our uh, relationships uh, with uh, with with. Uh, partners with parents and children, um, and that um, and that those relationships can be um, uh, so easily destroyed through uh, um, untrustworthy behavior um, and and really difficult to repair. Um, and so, to be mindful of um, of how we're engaging in those relationships, whether we are um, uh, navigating them uh, in faith or breaking faith, um, because those relationships are. Um, on some level, at at the core of uh, the work that we're called to do in the world is to strengthen those. I, I think I think that's spot on. I think what was missing from all of these relationships was love, mm. uh, and uh, right, lo- love is is at the 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 core should be at the core of every relationship. First time that word is used in a spousal relationship, uh, it is uh, when it said that that Isaac loved Rebecca. Uh, first time we see that in a a a um, relationship between family members is God refers to Isaac as the child with whom Abraham loves. Um, and lust should be a part of relationships too, that, that um, if you are not uh, lustful for your partner, then uh, how can you love them? But, but if it's only about attraction, if it's only about uh, pleasure and love is not involved in relationships, that then what is that relationship? That is an artificial relationship. Um, that is an inauthentic re- relationship. I do have to say that among all that and the tour that we want to pull out of it, if you, you look at Entertainment Weekly, if you look at The New Yorker, if you look at Esquire, the main questions that they want to know and that they want to are concerned about is what happened with Daphne and Ethan? And what happened with Harper and Cameron? And, and we don't know the answers. And uh, Mike White doesn't want us to know the answers. Yeah. So maybe we'll pick up on their story next season. Who knows? Um, I, I certainly uh, would be happy with that. I mean, I really, you know, all each and every one of these characters and the dynamics between them, um, I think, are, are worth more exploration. Maybe we'll get mo- maybe we'll get multiple White Lotus spinoffs uh, and explore all of these characters. 
Absolutely. Well, until season three of White Lotus and until our next episode uh, of the Pop Torah podcast, I'm Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care. Ciao.